three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Thursday, June 7th. Oh, man, I got a great podcast for you guys today. I have about an hour, and in an hour, I have to go to the doctor. I have, you know, I've been having stomach issues. We're going to go take care of that. But I want to start the show with some breaking news. I got this news literally about an hour ago, and I was like, oh, crap. I got to put that in my show. I was going to start with Kevin Durant, but I figured out, I decided this is more important. And it actually does tie into the whole podcast, because there is an overlying theme for this entire episode of Strong Opinion Sports. The overlying theme of this episode is that The better you are, the higher the position you are in, the brighter the lights get. So the more successful you are, the more uh, people judge you, the more people are paying close to every single move you make. That is the theme of this podcast today, of this episode, and that is the theme of this next topic. Patriots wide receiver Julian Edelman is now facing a four-game suspension for violating the NFL's performance-enhancing drugs policy. He is tested positive and he's trying to appeal the case. Julian Edelman is doing his best to try to not get a four game suspension, but that's what's probably going to happen. And I am predicting now Julian Edelman will be suspended for four games. I'm saying that now it's going to happen. And here's why. When you play quarterback, everybody looks at you a little bit differently. When you are a CEO, everybody looks at you a little bit differently. When you are the face of a of a very popular television show, I'm not going to say the reference, but you know what I'm talking about. People give you more scrutiny. They pay a lot closer attention to every single thing you do. The higher your position or the more successful you are, the brighter the lights get and the more people pay attention to you. Julian Edelman is a member of the New England Patriots. I'm not saying Julian Edelman is one of the greatest players of all time, nothing like that. But the Patriots have been to eight Super Bowls in the last 20 years. The Patriots have been uber, uber ultra successful. And because of that, people are paying a lot closer attention to them. The microscope is brighter on the New England Patriots. It is closer, whatever you want to say. People are paying closer attention. And when the Patriots make a mistake, because they win, they are punished even more. That is what happens. It's what happens when you're the head of a TV show. It's what happens when you are... A quarterback or head coach, every move you make, the brighter the spotlight is, the more successful you are, the more you are scrutinized. And because of the Patriots' success, the NFL will not give them an ounce, an ounce of wiggle room, nothing. Their leash is very, very short. The NFL, Roger Goodell, has every single member of the New England Patriots on a very short leash. And so Julian Edelman will not get off on his four-game suspension. Julian Edelman will be suspended for four games for violating the NFL's performance-enhancing drugs policies. That is my prediction. That will happen in the next 48 hours. We'll find out something like that. We're going to find out very soon. Julian Edelman has been suspended for four games. And again, the reason is because he's a member of the New England Patriots. Right, wrong, or indifferent. When you are super successful, people come down harder on you. Because guess what? You're winning all the time, and people are very skeptical. There must be a reason why the Patriots are always winning. And so anything, any move the Patriots make... It is amplified and it is given more scrutiny than anybody else in the NFL. And with that, I want to now move to Kevin Durant. We're going to come back to that theme, that theme of the better you are, the higher profile you are, the more you are judged. But for now, I want to talk about Kevin Durant. I want to talk about the Golden State Warriors. 
So the Golden State Warriors won Game 3 of the NBA Finals last night. The Warriors won 110-102. to The Warriors now have a three-game lead in the NBA Finals. And this series is over. The, the Cavs are not going to win the NBA Finals. No team has ever won the NBA Finals when they started down 3 to nothing or 0-3. Oh no, zero wins to three. So because the series is over, because I have decided the Warriors are going to win this thing, it's now three to nothing. Because of that, the new narrative to make the NBA Finals interesting is this. Who will win the NBA Finals MVP? Who will be the Finals MVP? That is the remaining narrative left for us to learn. Because we know, look, LeBron can't beat this team. The, the, The series is over. But that's an interesting wrinkle. Who will be the finals MVP? Will it be LeBron? Will he lose and still win MVP? Will it be Kevin Durant or Steph Curry or Klay Thompson? For me, the answer is very, very simple. For me, it's it's very obvious who the NBA MVP is. I'll get to that in a moment. But for now, I want to remind you that everybody said that Steph Curry should be the NBA finals MVP after he put up 16 points in the fourth quarter in game two. He, He had a really good performance. He played really well in game two. Uh, But the problem is, in Game 3, Steph Curry did not show up. In Game 3, Steph Curry only had 11 points. Steph Curry had 11 points in an NBA Finals game. He was 3 for 16 shooting. That's only 18% if you're doing the math at home. Steph Curry only made one three-pointer in Game 3 of the NBA Finals. He was 1 for 10 from three-point range. You cannot give the NBA Finals MVP to that guy. It just doesn't work. It's not possible. It's not allowed. Steph Curry had a bad night. Not to mention, not only did Steph Curry have a bad night, Klay Thompson also had a bad night. In Game 3, Klay Thompson was only 4 for 11 with 10 points. So that right there says it all. Klay Thompson's not the MVP. Steph Curry's not the MVP. Because again, Steph Curry had a bad night. And Klay Thompson had a bad night. Yet despite all of that, the Warriors still won. Why did the Warriors still win? Because the Warriors last night had Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant last night had 43 points. He shot 65%. He had 13 rebounds and 7 assists. Kevin Durant, like he's done all series, Kevin Durant has been the one solid factor for the Golden State Warriors. The one thing you could rely on all of these playoffs and every single one of these finals games has been Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant showed up to play in a big way. He performed at his highest level in Game 3, and he led the Warriors to a victory. And I want to point something out about Kevin Durant. I want to prove to you the value of Kevin Durant. See, three years ago, before Kevin Durant showed up in Golden State... Before Kevin Durant was a member of the Golden State Warriors, if both Steph Curry and Klay Thompson had a bad night shooting, guess what? (laughs) The Warriors aren't going to win. You could not, before Kevin Durant got there, you could not win a game if both Klay Thompson and Steph Curry had a bad night shooting. Uh, But then they added Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant is, without a shadow of a doubt, the difference. Kevin Durant is the reason that the Golden State Warriors are a dynasty. Kevin Durant is the difference between a really, really good team, a team that could win one or two, maybe three championships. The difference between a really good team, probably probably two championships, right? Because something was going to happen. Somebody, the Rockets would have beaten them this year if they didn't have Kevin Durant. 
So Kevin Durant was a difference between a really good team in Golden State and Kevin Durant makes them a dynasty. Kevin Durant is the difference between a good team and a dynasty. And, and forget the NBA Finals for just a second. Again, without Kevin Durant, the Warriors would not be here. Throughout the playoffs, throughout the entire season, Kevin Durant, uh, sorry, throughout the season and the playoffs, both Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, both of them have struggled with injuries and both of them have struggled with inconsistent play. And, and again, I, I, I want to point out, the Rockets took them seven games. Without Kevin Durant, the Warriors do not get past the Houston Rockets. It just wouldn't have happened. So again, before Kevin Durant, the Warriors were they were a really good team. But they were beatable. In fact, we did see them lose. We saw them lose to the Cavs. But then you, when you add Kevin Durant, bingo! Oh, the Warriors are suddenly an unbeatable dynasty. The difference is Kevin Durant. So what about this series? Why is Kevin Durant the most valuable player of this series? I've proven to you that, okay, he is, he's probably the most valuable player on their team. At least you add him, he makes them sudden, he pushes them over the top. But why is Kevin Durant the NBA Finals MVP this season? It's very simple. And look, I understand people struggle to give Kevin Durant recognition. Because I, I know there's, there's a team with four stars on it. And how do you pick one guy being more valuable than the other three when you have four NBA All-Stars? Here's how you do it. Kevin Durant is the reason that the Golden State Warriors are 3-0 and in this NBA Finals series. It's very simple. It's very simple. In the NBA Finals, Kevin Durant is shooting 56%. He's averaging 32 points, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists. That is the best on the Golden State Warriors. And mind you, by the way, in the regular season, Kevin Durant was averaging 26 points. And in just the regular playoffs, Kevin Durant is averaging 29 points. But he stepped it up another level when he got to the NBA Finals. Yeah, for the NBA Finals... Kevin Durant is averaging now 29 points. So he went from 26 points all season to 29 points during the regular season. Did I say percent of met points? And now in the NBA Finals, he's shooting 30. He's, he's shoot, averaging 31 points. I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. And what's interesting is all season, regardless of playoffs or, po- or fi- postseason, Kevin Durant shot 48% all season. Then suddenly he gets to the NBA Finals and his shooting percentage goes up. His shooting percentage is now 56%. So look, Kevin Durant got to the NBA Finals. He started scoring more points. He went from 26 to 31. Then he got to the NBA Finals and he got more efficient. He went from 48% shooting to 56% shooting. Kevin Durant is more efficient in the, in the Finals. He's scoring more in the Finals. Klay Thompson averaged 20 points in the regular season. Klay Thompson's only averaging 18 points in the NBA Finals. Klay Thompson shrunk. Or Steph Curry. You know, Steph Curry has proven his lack of value. See, if Steph Curry was really that valuable, they would have struggled to win last night. Oh, but Steph Curry had a bad night, and they won without him. That's terrible. That's awful. Again, I repeat, Steph Curry in Game 3 was 3 for 16. He only had 11 points and was 1 for 10 from threes. Steph Curry had one three-pointer in Game 3. That's his whole game. That's his best thing is three-pointers. And if you can't rely on him to make three-pointers, well, what can you do with Steph Curry? He had 11 points. And what about that game two? Everyone wants to say, you know, Steph Curry had a legendary game two. He had 16 points in the fourth quarter. Let's take a closer look at that. 
So in game two, Steph Curry was 11 for 26. He shot 42% and he had 33 points. What's interesting is if you look at Kevin Durant in the very same game, Kevin Durant in the same game, he did have fewer points. Sure. Kevin Durant only had 26 points to Steph Curry's 23 or 33, excuse me. But Kevin Durant was 10 for 14. Kevin Durant shot 71% in game two. Kevin Durant was more efficient. And Kevin Durant scored all those buckets to get them a lead in the fourth quarter. Remember, before Steph Curry went off in the fourth quarter, they had to get there. They had to get to a place where they were up eight with six minutes left. So Steph Curry might have gone off in the fourth quarter, and he extended their eight-point lead to a much bigger lead. But the reason why they got that big lead initially, the reason why the Warriors were winning at the end of Game 2 was because Kevin Durant delivered all game long. But you, you can say Steph Curry always scored all these points. Yeah, Steph Curry scored 16 points in garbage time. Kevin Durant was efficient when it mattered most in the NBA Finals game two. And maybe people are out there arguing, it should be LeBron James. Look, LeBron James is the most valuable player on this court. How can you argue Kevin? Le, sorry, LeBron James is not the NBA Finals MVP? Look, LeBron's amazing. I cannot give the NBA Finals MVP to a player who did not win the finals. Right, wrong, or indifferent. I can't. Oh, he was so valuable, they didn't win the series. No. No, I'm sorry. Like, it may be dumb, it may be, but that's, that's how I am. I'm not going to give it to a guy who loses. I'm not going to give the NBA Finals MVP to somebody who loses. And the truth is, LeBron James has had his chances. You may not like to hear that. But LeBron James has had plenty of opportunities to win games in this series. In game one, 4.5 seconds left. Did LeBron James dribble the clock out and shoot the last shot? No, he did not. LeBron James passed the ball to George Hill. And I get that's controversial. But what's not controversial about one of the games is that in game three, LeBron James had the ball down one point with three minutes left. And LeBron James did not deliver. The Cavaliers had the ball. Down one point, three minutes left, and the Cavaliers lost. Which means that LeBron James did not deliver in crunch time. Game three, LeBron James was great. LeBron James shot 46%. He had 33 points. But at the end of the game, when it mattered most, Kevin Durant made the memorable shot. Kevin Durant made the memorable shot at the end of game three. LeBron James did not. LeBron James had a good three-pointer, but he needed more, and he didn't have more. So I repeat, let's go back to game one. It's now between Steph and Kevin Durant. We're not gonna, No one's going to vote for Klay Thompson. I'm sorry, he's not even the best scorer in his own backcourt, so it's not going to happen. And it's not LeBron James. So now it's come down to, is it Steph Curry or is it Kevin Durant for the NBA Finals MVP? Well, in game one, Steph Curry shot 47%, had 29 points. He had a better game than, sorry, Steph Curry had four, uh, 29 points, 47%. A better game than Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant only had 26 points, shot 36%. But the rest of the series goes to Kevin Durant. Game two, 26 points for Kevin Durant, 71%. Game two, Steph Curry, 33 points, 42%. And in game three, Steph Curry only had 11 points, shot 18%. Well, Kevin Durant had 43 points, shot 50, sorry, shot 65%. Kevin Durant is more efficient. Kevin Durant is more consistent. Kevin Durant averages 32 points and 56%, while Steph Curry only averages 24 points and 38%. Kevin Durant is more efficient than Steph Curry in this series, and he's scoring more points than Steph Curry. 
Kevin Durant is the NBA Finals MVP. Kevin Durant, hear me out. Remind, let me remind you, Kevin Durant is the difference between a really, really good Golden State Warriors team and an NBA dynasty that could win three. They're on their verge of the second, maybe four championships. When Kevin Durant joined the Golden State Warriors, that was the moment everybody goes, oh, crap, we, we, can't, we can't win the championship this year. Because before KD, everyone thought, oh, you know what? We have a shot. We, we saw that the, you know, if Steph Curry gets hurt, maybe we can win a championship, something like that. You could remove Steph Curry from this team. Kevin Durant's still going to le- deliver, like he did last night. When Steph Curry barely played at all, he barely showed up. And uh, Kevin Durant led this team to victory. Kevin Durant, like it, love it. You love Kevin Durant. You don't love Kevin Durant. You hate Kevin Durant, maybe. But you have to admit, Kevin Durant is the most valuable player in these NBA Finals. All right, we have a great show today. Mostly today, we are going to talk about basketball. I apologize. It's just what's going to happen. It's going to be highly entertaining. But hey, if you hate basketball, there are people out there that listen to this podcast that they don't want to listen to me talk about basketball, and that's totally fine. What you can do is you can skip to the end of this podcast because I have a cool update uh, because I have an amazing show for you guys on full of football on Saturday. I'll I'll get to the end of the show. I'll tell you what that's going to be on Saturday. But today I'm going to talk about this. Today on the podcast, this episode of the podcast, we are going to talk about why I am not too hard on LeBron. I am pretty hard on LeBron. It's for a good reason. He deserves it. I'll tell you why down the road. We're going to talk about the 76ers general manager, Brian Colangelo. It is one of the craziest, most embarrassing, weirdest stories I've ever seen in sports. And it just it makes my jaw drop. I don't understand. And I'm going to talk about, does getting swept, if LeBron James gets swept in the NBA Finals, does that hurt his legacy? I think it does. I really do think it does. I'll tell you why getting swept would hurt LeBron James' legacy. I'll tell you that in a minute. First, I got to... To drink water, I got to put water in my Montana State water bottle. How dare I drink out of a Kirkland water bottle? It's not going to happen. We're not doing that. So we got to fill it up. I'm nervous. I'm going to this movie Hereditary tonight, and uh, I think it's going to be horrifying. I'm like legitimately kind of nervous. I think it's going to be a really terrifying, scary movie. I've been creeped out all day, and I haven't even seen the dang movie yet. I don't know what to make of it. I, uh, it's going to be a horrifying, horrifying movie. The scariest I've seen in a long time. And I shouldn't talk about movies on this podcast because now we're talking about sports. <clears throat> I want to talk about Game 3 a little bit more. The Warriors beat the Cavaliers 110-102 to in Game 3 of the NBA Finals. The Warriors took a 3 to nothing lead in the NBA Finals. And, and it's clear to me watching that, that third game of the final series, the Warriors are just unbeatable. The Warriors are not going to lose to the Cavaliers. The Cavaliers have no chance. And, uh, you know, people thought game one was the one game the Cavaliers should have won. People said, you know, oh, if the Cavaliers were going to win a game this series, they should have won game one. Wrong. Wrong completely. Apparently game three was the game the Cavaliers should have won. Last night, the Cavaliers had every single opportunity. The Cavaliers had every chance to win the game last night, and they did not do it. The story of the game was this. Steph Curry only had 11 points. Klay Thompson only had 10 points. Steph Curry was 3 for 16. He only had one three-pointer in the entire game. And the Cavaliers could not even cash in on that great fortune. 
if both Steph Curry and Klay Thompson have a bad game, you must win. You must win the game. And I would have honestly, I would have been discouraged if they'd won the game. Because even if the Cavaliers had won the game, it would have shown they can't compete with the Warriors even when both of two of their three great shooters have a bad night. It would have been depressing. And things went so, so right for the Cavs. Everything went in favor of the Cavaliers last night. LeBron James was great, but so were all the Cavs not named LeBron James. LeBron James' team played fantastic. Kevin Love had 13 rebounds, 20 points. He had a couple of big threes. Four Cavaliers had double digits. Four players on the Cleveland Cavaliers had over 10 points. J.R. Smith had 13 points. And guess what's crazy? Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood comes out of nowhere, and Rodney Hood scored 15 points. I mean, Rodney Hood, if you don't remember all playoffs, Rodney Hood was missing in action. Rodney Hood was gone. I mean, you went on a backpacking trip with Rodney Hood. It's a four-day backpacking trip. Rodney Hood, the first hour you're in the woods, Rodney Hood just disappeared. And you're like, what do we do? He's gone. Well, we, we can't. We've got to keep going. We, we know he's out there somewhere. We got to keep going. And then the last day on the trail, Rodney Hood just shows up out of nowhere. Like, Dude, Rodney, how you doing? And Rodney's like, I'll, I'll take your backpack for you. I'll take some of the load. It's crazy. The Cavs played so well that even, even Rodney Hood showed up again. Rodney Hood was a mess. And even he got pumped up for this game. That's how good and how well everything went for the Cavaliers. LeBron James had a triple-double in Game 3. LeBron James had 33 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists. I know there's not... I, we, we put way too much value into the triple-double. I think, honestly, LeBron James might have been sending a message. Look, if I'm not going to win, I'm going to do triple-doubles. I'm going to do something to make it look like I'm doing everything I can to win this series. But man, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson had awful nights. And the Cavaliers could not advantage. They could not take advantage. The Cavaliers could not win the game. I said advantage. That's not even on my notes. I, I just screwed up. I just talked poorly. Um, it's, it was a one-point game with three minutes left. That, that's what's really discouraging is all of this happened. The, the, Steph has a bad night. Clay Thompson has a bad night. And guess what? The Cavaliers weren't even blowing out the Warriors. The Cavaliers were down one point with three minutes left. But despite all of that, everything that worked in their favor, the Cavaliers couldn't win. And what's crazy is you get in this minute where you get in this moment where the Cavaliers are down one point with three minutes left. And I hate to say it, but it's true. And we'll get to it down the road later in the podcast. We're going to talk about this in depth. That's on LeBron James. LeBron James has the ball down one point, three minutes left. You have to deliver in that situation. Kevin Durant delivered. LeBron James did not. Look, the Cavaliers looked like the desperate, hungrier, more motivated team last night. The Warriors did not look motivated. The Warriors sometimes looked like they were sleepwalking. And the Cavaliers started with this Cavaliers started with a 14 to 4 lead. The Cavaliers took a huge jump out front. The Warriors only started one for seven shooting three-pointers. LeBron James had this crazy alley-oop to himself. Everything went right. They had tons of momentum. They had a great start. But the Cavaliers still lost. And what that tells me, if the Cavaliers could not win game three, they're not going to win a single game this series. This series is way beyond over. And uh, I don't know why we ever thought the Cavaliers had a chance. Apparently, they can't even win a game when everything goes right for them. 
So I, I just, I don't know. I want to ask the question now, does it hurt LeBron James' legacy if he gets swept by the Warriors? Does it hurt LeBron James' legacy if he gets swept in four games by the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals? Yes, it does. Yes, it does stain his reputation. But not because of the sweep itself. A sweep would have been fine if none of the games were competitive. If every one of the games were blowouts, we could all say, hey, you know what? LeBron James was just overmatched. He just didn't have a chance. His team wasn't good enough. We could make that excuse if they were all blowouts. But here's some truth. Here's some real, honest truth that you may not like to hear, but it's honest and it's true. Two of the first three games in the NBA Finals were winnable games for the Cavaliers. They were close games at the end. Look, and if the Warriors had shown up and just clearly smoked the Cavaliers, I mean, if the Warriors had been winning games by 20 points, again, it would have been easy. It would have been able to say, hey, look, LeBron James has insufficient help. He does not have the people to help him win this game. But right, wrong, or indifferent, LeBron James has been unable to make it happen in game one and also in game three. LeBron James has actually had opportunities. You may not like to hear that, but it's true. LeBron James has had opportunities to win games in this series, and he did not deliver. Let me remind you, game one, 4.57 seconds left. 4.7 seconds left. LeBron James has the ball in his hands. What does he decide to do? He doesn't dribble out the clock and take the last shot. He doesn't play isolation basketball. LeBron James throws the ball to George Hill, giving up, relinquishing his opportunity to control his own destiny. And then what happened was there was the craziness. You know, George Hill missed the free throw and J.R. Smith dribbled out the clock. But it's not like he still didn't have an opportunity. We forget. All this ridiculous stuff happened at the end of game one. But the game still went to overtime. It's not like LeBron James didn't have an opportunity in overtime to win the game. LeBron James had five minutes. Whoever plays the best five minutes wins the game. And in overtime of game one, LeBron James was awful. LeBron James was 0 for 4 from the field. He had two points. They came on free throws. LeBron James didn't show up in overtime of game one. He didn't show up at the end of the game. He didn't show up in overtime. Where were you, LeBron? Look, I know. I know it hurts, but you got to move on. I don't care about the circumstances. I understand that people are trying to say, oh, look, it's it's a hard thing. How do you bounce back from the JR move? Yada, yada. I, I don't care. You're LeBron James. You are the king The standards are higher for LeBron James because if you're going to be the best player in the world, if you're going to be the best player ever, quote unquote, maybe, uh, the standards are pretty high. The expectations are pretty high. And the expectations are that late in a game, when you're down by one point, you deliver, you do it yourself. You, if you're tied in overtime, you go win that game. I don't care who you're playing. That's the expectation. If you are the greatest player of all time. And honestly, the, the goat argument gets worse the closer I look at the end of these games game three how about this it's a one-point game with three minutes left and I'll give LeBron James credit LeBron James did hit a really nice three-pointer but the defining shot at the end of game three was Kevin Durant not LeBron James and so will getting swept hurt LeBron James and his legacy yes it will but not because sweeps matter If he'd gotten swept and they were all just a bunch of blowouts and we could all make the excuse, you know what? LeBron James' team just isn't good enough for him to compete with the Warriors. That would have been one thing. But the truth is LeBron James had opportunities to win games in this series. 
end of game one was tied going into overtime. That's an opportunity, boys, and he did not deliver. Three minutes left. Three minutes left at the end of game three. LeBron James is down one point, and he didn't make it happen. Look, I know it's unpopular, but I can't worry about what you think. I can't worry if people like me. I have to say what I believe. I have to say what I really think. And when I look at what happened, it looks like LeBron James did not deliver at the end of games. It may not be popular again. It may right, wrong, or indifferent. LeBron James had opportunities to win games in game one and game three. And uh, what's going to stick in my head for years about this NBA final series was LeBron James' inability to deliver at the end of the game. I mean, I'll, I'll say this, man. I have the final shot. I have 4.5 seconds left. I want the I want Michael Jordan to have the basketball. I want Michael Jordan to have the basketball with 4.57 seconds left. I want Kobe Bryant even probably to take the final shot rather than whatever LeBron James is going to do. He's probably going to pass it to George Hill. Not what I want. Three minutes left. Down one point. You think Michael Jordan doesn't deliver that game? I feel like he would have. I feel like Michael Jordan wins that game. I, I just I, I just do. Okay, there, there's a story on Bleacher Report. Um, there's a story on Bleacher Report. It's a guy named Mike Chiari. It's, it's C-H-I-A-R-I. Look, I don't know how to say his name. I'm sure he's a great journalist, um, but but that's I, I don't know. I'm terrible with names. But the headline is this. The headline, I'm going to read you the headline. The headline that Mike wrote says, Kevin Durant restrained after hecklers shout, UT is butt. That's University of Texas where Kevin Durant went to college. They shouted, UT is butt. And where's LeBron at? So somebody heckling Kevin Durant got under his skin a little bit. Now, the title is a little bit over the top. I understand. Look, I'm, I'm not one to talk about that. I understand using a headline to grab people's attention. But what happened last night after the end of Game 3 was not Kevin Durant getting restrained. It was a guy yelled at Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant turned and he looked at him. He was like, oh, I hear you. I see you. He took a step forward. And one of the guys with Kevin Durant, one of the PR guys probably, kind of pushed Kevin Durant, turned him around, and said, just go home. Just go. No need to listen to this. So I understand it's, it's mostly a non-story. Some guy wrote an inflammatory headline. Hey, great for him. I got, he got me to read it. Like, falls fair, I guess. Um, but while it's, it's some, you know, a little bit over the top, LeBron James, or sorry, Kevin Durant was not held back. Kevin Durant was not held back by anybody because of some guy talking crap on the street. But there is some real validity because Kevin Durant did turn and look very angrily. I don't know if there was alcohol on his I don't know what happened. But Kevin Durant was clearly bothered by what the guy said. And that's the weirdest part about Kevin Durant. The part about Kevin Durant I just don't understand is Kevin Durant's super insecure. Kevin Durant is so insecure and I just don't understand. Look, I'm insecure, but I'm a broke college kid making videos on YouTube for like a thousand people. Kevin Durant, millionaire, second best basketball player in the world. Kevin Durant is an NBA Finals MVP. Why does he care what anybody thinks on the internet? I don't even care what anybody thinks on the internet. Clearly, look at my hair. I don't care. Why why does Kevin Durant care? I don't get it. And that's what's so weird and also fascinating about Kevin Durant is just the way he deals with hecklers. The way he deals with criticism is so bizarre. I've, I've never seen it. You know, I, I, I mean, the, the first it's Twitter. Then it's, I mean, this is just, it's a bizarre story. The way Kevin Durant deals with criticism is not good. He, he doesn't like it clearly, which I understand. Nobody likes being criticized. 
But why do you care what some random guy on the street says about you? He's, he's broke. He's a loser. You're Kevin Durant, millionaire. Why do you care? I, I just It's weird to me. I just don't get it. And, and everybody, you would think Kevin, that Kevin Durant would be above all the haters. He'd be above all these internet trolls, but clearly he's not. I mean, you watch that clip. He didn't get restrained. It wasn't like a violent, Kevin Durant wasn't like, oh, I'm going to get him and then fought for it. No, but Kevin Durant clearly was bothered by what the guy said. And that just doesn't make any sense. That's a, a centering thing. That's a, an emotional problem for Kevin Durant. He should not have a reaction like that. When someone talks crap on the street, it should be like, I don't care. And the fact that Kevin Durant does care is very weird to me. I just, I don't get it. I really do not understand. You're the second best basketball player in the world. Multi-millionaire, about to be a two-time NBA champion. Why do you care what some random guy says? And what the guy said wasn't even that bad. I don't know. That's, that's all I have on this topic, but I just, I just think it's weird. I think Kevin Durant's a very weird character who's very insecure, and uh, it just doesn't make any sense logically. I know, you know insecurity is not logical at all, clearly, but if it was, that makes no sense at all. And I want to stick on the topic of insecurity because there's another story very, very similar right now happening in the NBA. So the Philadelphia 76ers general manager, Brian Colangelo, is now resigning after his wife admitted to running multiple, not one, not two, not three, even three, it was four. Brian Colangelo, the 76ers general manager, his wife admitted to running and operating four fake, quote-unquote, burner Twitter accounts defending her husband on Twitter. Oh my God, what kind of world have we come to? What is happening? What is happening? Why does Kevin Durant care what anybody thinks? Why does Brian Colangelo care what anybody on Twitter says? Like, I don't get, I don't even understand the psychology of this. Why? Why? You lost your job because your wife was running fake Twitter accounts? Is this the real world? What is happening? I don't understand. Like how many times? How many times must I tell everybody? I, I, I ugh, stay far, far away from Twitter. You see Twitter, turn and run. How many people have lost their jobs because of Twitter? How many people does this have to happen to for people to still trust Twitter? Don't use Twitter. Stay away from Twitter. I don't understand it. Look, I, I, I'm on Twitter. I have a Twitter. I tweet once a day. But I don't like Twitter. Here, I'm going to read you literally word for word. This is my Twitter bio. I think Twitter's toxic, but a necessary tool. So I try to share stuff that I love. And then the emoji that goes, eh, two hands up, shrugging. Yeah, I do it, but I don't like it. I don't believe in it. Why the wor- why, why in the world, if you are an NBA general manager, are you using Twitter in proximity to Twitter? Does it help you? It doesn't help you. And why does your wife care? Why do you, clearly you care. Why does anybody care what people on Twitter have to say? Twitter's not right. Twitter's crap. Twitter's toxic and a mess. Stay away from Twitter. Again, I tweet once a day. I tweet once a day. I tweeted yesterday a picture of Draymond Green flexing and yelling. And I said, man, I love Draymond Green. But I just want to ask, why do millionaires care what Twitter trolls have to say? I don't even care. And I'm nobody. I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I do not understand. First, we have an NBA player. We have the second best NBA player in the world, Kevin Durant, who's clearly shown and expressed he doesn't like when people criticize him on Twitter and in person. 
And now we have an NBA executive? People, what are we doing? Why are we listening? Why are we giving in? I get, I've gotten death threats on my YouTube channel. I don't give it any weight. I don't care. My brother committed suicide. I had someone once comment. I hope your other brother commits suicide. You can't let it bother you. It doesn't matter. You lost your job. You lost your job as an NBA general manager. You know how many people would give everything to have that job? And you lost it because of Twitter? Come the heck on. I censored that, but what are you doing? What are you doing? It's one of the stupidest things I've heard in such a long time. Please learn from this. If you're listening to this podcast, this is not a sports topic at this point. Please just learn from this. This is a life topic. Do not let Twitter ruin your career. Don't tweet stupid stuff. Don't get involved in stupid stuff on Twitter. Don't DM girls you don't know. Don't don't be dumb. Please, for the love of God, be smart. Protect yourself. Twitter's not safe. Don't trust Twitter. It's toxic. People lose their jobs all the time on Twitter. I do not understand how many people have to lose their jobs because of Twitter before people learn. I'm, I'm done with the rant. I, I, that's not even about sports. It's about life. Come on, people, wake up. Please, for the love of God, don't let Twitter allow you to lose your job. It's a goddamn app. It doesn't matter. It's fake. It doesn't matter. Uh, you can't even make money on it. I don't understand. I just don't get it. I, I, I just... Uh, I got really fired up. I'm angry. Like I'm, I'm actually angry. It's not fake. It's really not fake. I, I, I just, I don't understand why people allow Twitter to stop them from being employed. You know how dumb that is. Do you know how dumb that is? I'm just a broken record at this point, but I, I just beside myself when I read that story, I, I wasn't going to talk about it. I was going to wait, you know, another, I was going to wait till Saturday, collect myself and think about it more. And I was like, you know what? He's resigning. I got to talk about it now. And uh, just top shelf stupidity right there. You lost your job because of Twitter. You can't do that. Okay. Um, I have two, three really good things I want to talk about left. I'm going to talk about, down the road, I'm going to talk about, am I too hard on LeBron? And why I'm not too hard on LeBron? I'm not too hard on LeBron. I'm going to talk about Peyton Manning's HGH problem. Then we're going to talk about the Yankees at the end. We're going to wrap that up. I'm going to tease the show on Saturday. But first, I want to talk about this. There are a bunch of little things. Um, a bunch of... I have a bunch of small things I've been collecting. I have a bunch of small little observations, just miscellaneous various observations about the NBA Finals. And, uh, you know, I've been collecting these little topics, but I can't make them into one whole topic. I've been like, you know, I can't make a topic about J.R. Smith uh, being booed. But what I can do is collect all these little short thoughts and put them together into one topic. This topic is now my miscellaneous observations from the NBA finals. So I hope you enjoy. The first thing is this, uh, it's game two, it's in Oakland and the Warriors fans, this is, this is the greatest moment of the NBA finals is when J.R. Smith gets the ball in Oracle arena in Oakland and they start chanting MVP, MVP. And I literally on my couch, I'm by myself in the room. I just died. I was like, <laughs> that's, that's the greatest thing I've seen all like months in sport. Like all, probably all of 2018. It's the best thing I've seen in sports. I was laughing so hard when they chanted MVP for J.R. Smith. Every time he touched the basketball in Oracle arena, it's fantastic. I mean, obviously look, it's because of that dumb move where he dribbled out the clock at the end of game one. But what's kind of sad about it is if the Warriors do sweep the Cleveland Cavaliers, we're never going to see that again. You, you realize game two is it. It wasn't going to happen in game one because we didn't know yet. It's not going to happen in Cleveland. So game two might be the only time we ever see J.R. Smith 
chanted MVP. That's amazing. I love that. I really did. It made me laugh. I, I just, I didn't know how to make a whole topic about it. I couldn't. It's not that interesting. But my God, <laughs> we're never going to see it again because the Warriors are probably going to get, or they're going to sweep the Cavs next in game four in Cleveland. And we'll never see J.R. Smith chanted MVP ever again. Like literally, if the, if the Cavs win a game, all I'm rooting for is that they chant, they do that same chant again in game five when the Warriors do win. Because maybe the Warriors like, you know what? We're tired. We want to win this at home. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I just, that's what I think. This is the next little random observation I have from game two of the NBA finals. Uh, there was a call in game two. I, I just I hated it. It made me angry. I was like, what are we doing? I mean, th- there has been no consistency from the refs in this entire NBA final series. And uh, this one call was especially bad. So I want to paint a picture for you. LeBron James is looking back for the basketball. There's a ball passed to him in the air. LeBron James jumps. He leaves the ground. His feet are in the air. He's not touching the ground. LeBron James is off the ground. And when, by the way, when you jump, it's really hard to control where you land once you're in the air. It's hard, when you're in the air, it's kind of too late to decide where you land. And so while LeBron James is in the air, LeBron James jumps. Whee! Steph Curry gets right underneath him. And LeBron James comes down and lands on Steph Curry. Uh, guess what? That's not LeBron James' fault, but they called it a foul on LeBron James. Steph Curry got free throws. I, I just, I, I, it's an egregious, awful call. I, 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 I couldn't make a topic about it. I didn't know how to work it into the show, but I wanted to talk about that because I saw that call and I was like, how, how is that a foul on LeBron James? LeBron James in midair. He's mid-flight. He can't control who gets underneath him. And Steph Curry got right underneath him. LeBron James landed on Steph Curry because that's what happens when you get underneath someone who's jumping. And they called a foul on Steph Curry. The foul should have, sorry, they called a foul on LeBron James when the foul should have been on Steph Curry. Steph Curry caused LeBron James to fall to the ground. Steph Curry got in the way. Steph Curry fouled LeBron James, not the other way around. And I saw that and was like, man, that is just complete crap. That's a horrible call. The next thing I want to talk about, you know, I was, uh, I was watching game three last night and, uh, God, I hate, like, I hate Draymond Green. Draymond Green, you know, he's, he's all smiling after they win game one. They, they get this cheap win that felt like the Cavaliers were robbed. And you see Draymond Green just grinning. He's all happy. Oh, look what we did. He's all celebrating. It just makes you want to punch him in the face. It really does. I understand. (laughs) Yeah, I guess what I just did. I did what Charles Barkley did. You want to come after? I don't care. Um. I, I want drama, clearly. Um, but I, I love Draymond Green. Look, I hate him. I, I hate, he's a great villain because he makes me angry. He makes me riled up. But oh, I love it. It's such good drama. It's such good television, Draymond Green. I'm so tired of all these athletes. You know, everybody's so nice and they're so scripted and PR driven. It's like, ah, you're not authentic. What we, nobody can argue Draymond Green isn't authentic. I would die if I had Draymond Green on my own basketball team. I'd be so happy. That's the guy I want to play with. He's going to fight. He's going to yell at me. He's going to win basketball games. It's going to be fun. I love Draymond Green. I hate him, but I love him. Does that make any sense? I don't know, man. He's, he's a loud mouth. He's annoying. He's a bully. And I just love it. I love every ounce of Draymond Green. I hope we get more players like him down the road. He's fun to watch. He's authentic. He yells. He taunts people. He gets in foul trouble. It is a blast. It is, that's what I want from the NBA. Draymond Green is from another era. It really is. It's sad. He belongs with the Pistons back in the day. He belongs in, in the, the old days of basketball where guys actually played real physically. I miss that, and I love Draymond Green. Draymond Green is an absolute classic. He's a throwback player. 
Okay, the next little observation I have from these NBA Finals is another thing from Game 3. Why are people saying J.R. Smith had a great performance in Game 3? What? People say J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith, I'm so proud. J.R. Smith had a great performance in Game 3. Did we watch the same game? Because what I saw was J.R. Smith went from really bad to average, like a normal... NBA starter because what I expect from a normal NBA starter is competent basketball and oh oh guess what that's what J.R. Smith did in game three he played competent basketball like normal basketball and J.R. Smith had 13 points he shot 35 percent that's not good that's competent that's average wow 13 points you're an average NBA starter don't tell me that J.R. Smith had a great game in game three of the NBA finals that's just baloney it's not true it's like what are you smoking? I don't understand. I, I just nah. I, I I don't I don't have a lot to say about that. But you know, J.R. Smith has not been good this series, and Game Three was not great. It was not awesome. It was average. Can we call it what it is? Don't overreact. J.R. Smith gave you gave you a normal performance, and people are like, "Whoa, we're so happy, J.R." That's what happens when your expectations get super low. Is when people do what they're supposed to, people go, wow, you met expectations. Let's celebrate. Nobody should celebrate for somebody meeting the expectations for doing what they're supposed to do. And that's all that J.R. Smith did in game three. He shot 35%. He scored 13 points. Whoop-de-doo. Break 20. Maybe I'll call you a good player. I, I don't know. I don't know. He's just an average player. Great. Let's move on. The last thing I want to talk about, my last observation, maybe, well, I guess I have two left. The first one is Jeff Van Gundy is just a fantastic broadcaster. I, I love Jeff Van Gundy. Um, I just he's informative. He knows how to simplify basketball, how to say it in a way that dumb people like me can understand. And uh, he also brought up two huge points. Jeff Van Gundy in game two brought up two really fantastic points about basketball that I wanted to share with you guys because they were really intelligent, really smart. His first thing he said was, "Why does the NBA allow people in a fast break?" to foul the guy with the ball and stop him from scoring. Because what that does is it rewards bad defense you or bad offense. You have, you have a turnover. You lose the ball. There, Everybody's running back. The, the offense has the advantage. You foul him and you lose. The offense loses their advantage. They're punished. And it gives the defense a chance to reset. We said stop allowing the foul on fast breaks. Give two buckets. It's a, what's a clear path foul, something like that. Let's find a solution because... We want fast breaks in basketball. We want points scored. We want exciting dunks. We don't want, and I'll give credit, it's a very smart foul. If I'm, if I'm a coach, I'm saying, hey, in transition, foul them. Give us a chance to reset. Don't let LeBron James have a free dunk. But I want the NBA to step in and say, no, we're going to take that away because we want, look, it's a great loophole. It works. But I want that dunk. I want fast breaks. That's good for basketball. So I think Jeff Van Gundy made a great point. He said, look, we got to remove that. We got to do something to the rule book so that you can't stop fast breaks by just grabbing the guy and giving your defense a chance to reset. Now, the other point that Jeff Van Gundy made that was fantastic, um, and it's something that's bothered me too about this series. You know, I've been watching LeBron James all year. I really didn't watch a lot of James Harden. I didn't really watch a ton of Kevin Durant and all these other guys. Um, we see shooters diving forward into contact, throwing up a crappy shot, and getting free throws. Um, you should not be able to jump into somebody else and get a foul called on them. It was my theory. I mean, there was a moment Jeff Van Gundy pointed this out. Basically, it could be called an offensive foul. Like, how, how do I defend? How do you defend me? If I jump into you, 
You get knocked to the ground. I throw up a bullcrap shot and the foul gets called on you, even though I initiated contact. I jumped into you, yet you get called for the foul. That makes no sense. How do you guard that? You don't. I get free throws for hitting you, basically. We should eliminate that from the rule book. The point of all this is to say that Jeff Van Gundy is a fantastic broadcaster. I enjoy him. He makes makes basketball so much more enjoyable to listen to, much more enjoyable to watch. I love his approach, and I just um, I wanted to applaud him for being a— Jeff Van Gundy doesn't need any praise, but he's a fantastic broadcaster that I really enjoy listening to uh, in the broadcast booth. I guess there's one more thing uh, that I want to talk about. I just want to say, how cool is it that JaVel McGee is about to win his second NBA championship? <laughs> Do you remember back in the day when he was featured on Shaqton a Fool? And we everybody just, he went viral for his embarrassing bad mistakes. Do you, does anybody remember that? I do. And I remember when, you know, JaVel McGee was just the laughing stock of the league. JaVel McGee is not a star, nothing like that. He's a great role player, though. He's a starter on an NBA Finals team. He's about to win his second championship. I mean, look, he's only averaging, JaVel McGee is only averaging 12 points, 9 points per game. Sorry, 12 minutes, 9 points per game. But, but it's just cool to see JaVel McGee do, having some, some good moments, some really nice dunks, some, a couple blocks, having some impact in the NBA Finals. He's come such a long ways from being embarrassed publicly on Shaq and a fool to now. He, he's a household name, JaVel McGee. Who would have thought? It's really cool to see that and how his career was turned around. So those are my, was that six? Was that set? Was that five? Those are my miscellaneous just observations on the NBA Finals. Drink some water. I'm going to check the, the good old, oh crap, I got 20 minutes to get to the doctor. Uh, can we, we have two things left. Um, we can do it. We can fit this in and then I'll be late to the doctor. It's fine. <clears throat> People sometimes say that I'm too hard on LeBron James. Like, I don't, I don't think so at all. I think intense scrutiny comes with the territory. If you are considered the best, you get given higher standards. A story came out recently that uh, it's from Alex Reamer, W-E-E-I. Here's the headline. I'll read it word for word. This headline says, it's hard to imagine Tom Brady skating on an HGH allegation the way Peyton Manning has. And, and then the, the story goes on to detail the way Peyton Manning you know, gets a pass. And how more evidence has been shown that Peyton Manning is really likely linked to HGH violations of the NFL rules. And, and I have a couple things to say about this. First is that, you know, first, likability matters. Like, it, just the truth. Um, I love Tom Brady. Tom Brady's my favorite player of all time, any sport. Favorite athlete of all time. And uh, even though I love Tom Brady, the truth is Peyton Manning is more likable than Tom Brady. Just, just honest. I mean, two guys of the same qualifications are both in the job interview. The guy who the boss likes more gets the job. It's just how the world works. Um, I've gotten out of numerous situations in my life because I had good rapport with the principal or with the director or with this or that. When people like you, it helps. It does. People like Peyton Manning more than they like Tom Brady. And so Peyton Manning gets a pass. To some degree, I don't mind that. The other reason why I don't mind Peyton Manning getting more of a pass than Tom Brady is... Does anybody consider Peyton Manning the greatest quarterback of all time? No, nobody does. We, we consider him really, really good. He's up there. But when you're in the GOAT conversation, when people consider you the greatest of all time, uh, that means we're going to be harder on you. The expectations are higher. 
The goat conversation means we are going to be have more scrutiny on you. See, we give Kevin Durant passes on things that LeBron James could not get away with. Kevin Durant had a bad fourth quarter, and he gets less backlash. He gets less scrutiny. If LeBron James is a bad fourth quarter, we are going to come down hard on him. He needs to answer to that. Kevin Durant doesn't. And, uh, you know, it's it's been a tough... I, I've been very tough on LeBron James in these NBA Finals, and uh, I I don't think I'm wrong. Like, either way, it's on LeBron Either Here's the thing. Either LeBron James is an absolute victim, he's a victim of having a bad team, or LeBron James needs to own what's going on. So again, maybe LeBron James is a, a victim, but do we want anybody who adopts a victim mentality? No. I really think at times LeBron James has had chances in these finals, and he has failed. I see a lot of parallels between Tom Brady and LeBron James. You know, game one, end of the NBA, game one of the NBA finals, LeBron James had the ball with 4.5 seconds left. He had the ball with four seconds left and he passed it away. LeBron James gave up the opportunity to win the game himself. And then even later in overtime, LeBron James was over four. He only had two points on free throws. LeBron James didn't play well in overtime. He had opportunities in that game. He didn't win. And then in game three last night, LeBron James is down one point with three minutes left, and LeBron James did not make it happen. He had the basketball in his hands. He didn't score. I mean, it's just the truth. It's the truth. We, we are harder on people who are in the GOAT conversation. Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Kevin Dur- or sorry, <laughs> LeBron James, not Kevin Durant. We're harder on people who are considered possibly the greatest of all time. If you're going to be in that conversation, you have to live up to every single expectations. The scrutiny is on. It's funny in the Super Bowl, Malcolm Butler was benched. You know, Tom Brady throws for 500 yards. He loses to the Eagles. And any, all anybody can talk about, people blame Bill Belichick. They say, oh, Bill Belichick benched one of their best defensive players. Tom Brady threw for 500 yards and lost. It's like people forget that Tom Brady had the ball at the end with a chance to win and Tom Brady fumbled. Tom Brady had a chance. Is Tom Brady a victim of, of bad coaching or did Tom Brady have an opportunity to win in spite of sure, in spite of maybe bad coaching, but Tom Brady still had an opportunity to win and he didn't do it. Look, I know people that have had really bad parents or they've had bad breaks in life. And uh, the truth is nobody cares. Yeah, job interviewer doesn't care if your parents didn't love you very much or if they didn't have money to send you to college. What they care about is, can you do the job? Will you deliver? And if you deliver, you make it. Success doesn't care about your adversity. It doesn't. I I wish it did. It it would really help me if it did. I'm on financial aid. My parents are broke. I wish it did, but it doesn't matter. Success doesn't care about, you know, are are you, did you have adversity? It doesn't. So people say, you know, Tom Brady threw for 500 yards and still lost. Well, still though, Tom Brady had an opportunity to win the game and he didn't. And you know, we are harder on people who are considered maybe the greatest quarterbacks of all time or maybe the best basketball player of all time. It's interesting. Since when do yards win games? They don't. Kirk Cousins threw for almost 5,000 yards in 2016. Also in 2016, Kirk Cousins only won eight games. He was 8, 7, and 1. Yards don't mean much. So Tom Brady throwing for 500 yards. Whoop-de-doo. You didn't win the game. You didn't deliver when it mattered most. That may be harsh, but it's also true. If you're going to be the greatest quarterback of all time, you got to deliver in that moment. 
People say, you know, LeBron James, first player in NBA history to score 50 points and lose a finals game. So what? Points don't equal wins. Ask Devin Booker. Devin Booker scored 70 points in an NBA game and he lost. The point is all to say this. You know, I'm, I am not too hard on LeBron James. I am very hard on LeBron James. It's for good reason. He deserves it. If you want to be in the conversation to be the greatest of all time at something, that conversation comes with a ton of scrutiny. That comes with the territory, man. It's just the truth. We're harder on Tom Brady than we are on Peyton Manning because we should be. We should be harder on Tom Brady because Tom Brady's talked about in a different conversation than Peyton Manning. And the truth is, we should be harder on LeBron James and Kevin Durant. LeBron James had opportunities to win games in this NBA final series, and LeBron James did not deliver. I repeat, end of game one, overtime, didn't deliver. End of game three, three minutes left, down one, didn't win the game. That's on LeBron James. I'm not being too hard on him. I expect a ton of great things from LeBron James. The bar for LeBron James is extremely high, higher than maybe anybody ever, but it should be. Because you expect great things from great people. To say maybe he's one of the greatest players of all time. Ah, I'm never going to forget that he did not deliver at the end of game one. And the end of game three in the 2018 NBA Finals. I rest my case. All right. Uh, I want to update you guys on one thing. I really do have to run. I'm late. I'm going to actually cut one of the topics out. Save it for next week. Uh, The Yankees will not be playing baseball on Sunday night on July 8th. I talked about this last podcast. ESPN did give in. The solution I said all along, how about you just find another matchup? That's what they did. ESPN is allowing the Yankees to play at 1 p.m. in Toronto. They're playing the Blue Jays. The next game on Monday, so Sunday they play at 1 Monday at 1, they play the first game of a doubleheader against the Baltimore Orioles in Baltimore. And the new matchup that was chosen to be the game of the week, Sunday Night Baseball, Dodgers-Angels. Problem solved. Good matchup. Actually, a better matchup than the Yankees and Blue Jays anyways. Whatever. Let's move on. Um, And again, I thought that was a simple solution. I don't know why ESPN took so long to give in. Maybe there was logistics. I don't know. But like ESPN did the right thing. They gave in. Good for them. So we have a great show on Saturday. That's that's all I have for today, guys. Saturday's podcast is going to be special. It's going to be fantastic. Um, I'm going to recap the NBA Finals Game 4. I'm hoping that the Warriors just win the series. I, I want the Warriors to win in, in four games. Get it over with. Let's move on. I, I'm tired. I, I feel bad for the Warriors, for the Cavaliers. Just put them out of their misery. Let's move on. I have a. I, I set up finally a phone line so I can, I can make phone interviews for this podcast. And uh, a friend of mine just worked with Russell Wilson. Very like literally talked to him, ate lunch with him, hung out with him. And so I'm going to have him on the podcast. I'm filming that interview tomorrow. Um, that, that will be on Saturday's podcast. That will be part of the podcast is hearing from a guy who spent time with Russell Wilson. I've been critical of Russell Wilson. I've said, maybe, you know, his teammates sound like they don't like him. I wonder why. And so we're going to hear firsthand from a guy who just was around Russell Wilson face to face. We're going to hear that. What was that like? Is he authentic? Is he real? Is he a good guy? I think so, but we'll find out. I'm going to hear from from him. It's going to be awesome. The other things we're going to talk about on Saturday, we're going to talk about John Gruden. I believe John Gruden will be better this time around with the Raiders than he was in any previous football stop. He's going to be better than ever. I'm going to talk about why I respect Kevin Durant. I moved high schools growing up, and I've been mobile many times. I switched colleges. I've done all kinds of stuff. I respect Kevin Durant quite a bit. I'll talk about that on Saturday. And then I'm going to talk about the quarterback at Oklahoma, Kyler Murray. He was a draft pick in the MLB, 
and he decided to come back to play college football. Was that a good decision? Was it a bad decision? I'll weigh the options. Talk about that on Saturday. All right. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best, most interesting clips. If you like Strong Opinion Sports as much as I do, help me grow this podcast by telling your friends about the show. Thank you so much. I got to run. I'm super late, but I really appreciate you guys. I'm going to go. I hope you guys have a great day. Ba-dum-bum. Bam, we are done. Bye.